0: For the light makes everything visible, that this is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you how relevant how practical it is for the days that we're living in. I pray that uh, as every person who's sitting in this room this morning has the opportunity to engage in what your word says or dismiss it. I, I just pray that you'll make yourself known to every one of us, Lord, today on a very personal basis. In Jesus' name, Amen. J.R.R. Tolkien uh, was uh, a professor in England. Uh, he had placed his faith in Christ. He was a friend of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an atheist at the time, pushed God, you know, ignored God, pretended God didn't exist, and and Tolkien was able to pulling him to Christ and eventually uh, C.S. Lewis did say yes to Christ, and which is pretty cool, uh, which shows that your sphere of influence can make an impact on, on people. So, let God use you. Anyway, um, Tolkien went on to write the series The Lord of the Rings. And um, uh, the two towers, um, there's a scene there where uh, Theoden, king of Rohan, has been influenced by darkness. Uh, our good friend, I, I shouldn't say good friend, but uh, Grima Wormtongue, uh, he, just a creepy dude, uh, in, influenced by Saruman. Saruman's, uh he's on the dark side as well. So Saruman has, has, has influenced uh, Grima, and Grima, in turn, has influenced the king of Rohan. And when you look at him on his throne, he looks like he's ready to call it the day. He's all crusty. He he can barely keep his eyes open. He's not kind of non-responsive. And while he's going through all of this stuff, um, his kingdom is is suffering because of it. And we can say this morning the same way that there are grima worm tongues in our lives, and they're there on purpose because. The powers of darkness, Satan wants to put you and I to sleep spiritually. That's his goal. He wants you to just sign off, become crusty like the king of Rohan on his throne, and call it the day. And so you and I have a choice. Uh, Are we going to let that happen, or are we going to push back? Well, uh, the cool thing is that Gandalf uh, recognized that the king of Rohan was in a bad way, and he came and basically set him free from that influence of darkness that had impacted his life. And um, this morning, I, I, I would love to use that imagery as uh, as the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians five, because he says in Ephesians five fourteen, "For the light makes everything visible." And that is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, last week we kind of camped out on that theme, light, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you carry the light of Christ in you. And the problem is that when you look at the health of the body of Christ in America today, the problem is we have become very comfortable in our environment, and so we carry these little, we don't carry them, actually we wheel them, the little red wagons that you grew up with. You've kept them, and, in, and behind in that wagon you put your lamp, and you've got a bushel next to your lamp. So when you walk through life with your wagon, your light is on, but when you get into an uncomfortable environment, a, an environment that you feel inferior, you feel disconnected from everybody else around you because they don 't think the same way you you think or the same way that you believe, and so you just you know you just stop and you take your bushel and you put it over your lamp, and then you continue on and and we become so good at putting our bushels over our lights that we become dangerous to ourselves and even to our culture because we're not being light in darkness last uh, uh... yesterday when uh... i was just working on these notes a song came up on my on youtube that so i'm rolling through through music and um, i thought man this is this is really cool because it says what we said last week and what we're reaffirming here this morning in verse 14, and it reminded me when I was on vacation last year, this song came on the radio, and I had the opportunity of turning it up real loud. so listen to it shining light, shining light. Shining Bye. man? Pretty cool. Um, I look at that song as a great reminder to you and to me because it is so natural to put our lights away, to dim them, to cover them. And uh, you got a light, like the song says, and you want to glorify Christ. That that should be our objective. And Paul is saying the same thing here in chapter 5 of Ephesians, that when you're tempted to put the bushel over your light, don't do it. Don't do it. Resist that urge to cover your light and keep the light on wherever you are, whatever environment you're in, let the light of Christ shine through you. Which leads us to point number one in your notes. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. Um, John Owen, who... um, was a theologian in the 1600s said, "We are either killing sin or being killed by it." Now we could take a vote this morning and say, ask the question, "Is that true or not?" Um, I could help by saying it's very true. I, I, it's it's so true. Either we deal with stuff in our lives, or it will kill us. Like the king of Rohan, he didn't deal with. Grima a worm tongue, and he just let him hang around, and, and, and the king of Rohan uh, was just kind of slipping away, so to speak, and that 's how it is in life that we need we need to um, deal with the stuff in our lives. Let God work in us, eliminate things that we 've connected with, that are holding us back, that are putting us to sleep spiritually. Or we're going to be killed by it. It's, it's that simple. There, it's straight up. This is not a game. Uh, it's it. So number one, wake up. Verse 14. For the light makes everything visible. And this is why it said, Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Paul is saying, We bring light into darkness. It exposes everything as it is. Um, So when we when we're looking at a wake up a sleeper, when you put your faith in Christ, you were dead spiritually, I was dead spiritually. And when the light comes on, man, it's like, wow, wow. When, when Christ is living in you and through you, man, it just it makes life so much better. So that's the first step. Coming out of darkness. Putting your faith in Christ, Paul's saying, awake, O sleeper. The second fact of the matter is, as a follower of Christ, if we're not intentional about our walk with Jesus on a consistent basis, it's so easy to go to sleep, to wither away, just like the king of Rohan. So Paul's addressing these two issues because that, that, that's exactly what was going on in the church at Ephesus. Ephesus um, uh, modern-day Turkey, um, um, headquarters for the goddess Diana, all kinds of pagan worship going on there. Um, and so, Paul, when, you, when we walk through this story or the text today, you're, you're going to see, man, this sounds like a lot, what's going on in our country today, in my environment, where I live. And that, that is the cool thing about God's word. It is relevant. So, Robert Louis Stevenson uh, was a small boy in the 1850s, and uh, he lived in England. Uh, uh, One night, he's looking out his bedroom window. His nanny came in and said, Robert, it's time to get ready for bed. He kind of was lost in a daze, just looked out the window. And so the nanny came over by the window to see what he was looking at. And and so she asked him, Robert, what are you you looking at? And he, without taking his eyes, you know, away from the window, he pointed to the lamplighter out in the street who was lighting the street lamps and said, look, Nanny, that man is putting holes in the darkness. That's what happens when you turn your light on. You put holes in the darkness. And the problem that we're seeing in the church in America today is that the church isn't turning the light on. And so the darkness is impacting those that should be carrying the light. The darkness has crept into the church. And that shouldn't be. Now, that would be a good place for somebody to say, yo. Yo. I agree with that. That's, that, that is exactly what's going on Um, in verse 8 Paul kind of says for once you were full of darkness but now you have the light from the Lord so live as people of light so we need to do it we need to to settle the issue instead of how I go by feelings I don't feel spiritual or I don't have the gospel goosebumps or whatever the case may be we just need to be the light of Christ And let that light shine through us on a consistent basis. Listen, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But we can be consistent by keeping that light on. Right? That's right. So the great philosopher Babe Ruth, many of you have heard of him in school. uh, He gave us this counsel. Yesterday's home runs don't win today's games. What's what's he saying? He, he he's saying, "Man, you can have a great game yesterday, but if you're not hitting the ball well today, it, hey, you you can't live your life on yesterday. You can transfer that over even to into your Christian walk with Christ. I don't know where many of you came from. You know, did you go to camp in the summer? Did you go to retreats? Whatever the case may be, but I remember there were times in my life specifically where I I connected with God on a very powerful basis, you know, sensing his presence, sensing his hand on my life. And then there were times I didn't sense it at all, you know. So, so many of us, we can, we can say, man, I remember the good old days or back five years ago or a year ago when God was so close and you've just put it on cruise control, you know. I'm just going to coast my way into heaven hey, you're not going to make it. You're going you're to be like the king of Rohan. You're going to get all crusty on your throne while everything around you begins to deteriorate. And so we need to be proactive. We need to be intentional about not allowing ourselves to go to sleep spiritually. It's too easy to do. Sir Francis Drake, he was a a world explorer in, in the 1500s. He wrote, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. I like what Drake is saying, disturb us, Lord. In other words, wake us up, Lord. Wake me up. Man, I've been sleeping spiritually and we need we need people around us that can can see that happening and and help us snap out of it and um so paul is writing to the church in ephesus and saying hey you need to stay alert you need to wake up you need to realize what's going on around you and not allow it to impact your walk with christ number two watch your step verse 15 so be careful how you live don't live like fools but like those who are wise our culture today is 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 very good at telling we Americans that we need to follow our hearts that we need to do what feels good we need to live in the moment and how many of you well that's foolish that's not being wise. That's what our culture is telling us, and so many people are, are falling in line with that, saying, yeah, that's right. I need, to, I need to feel, you know, it's all about me, and it's all about my feelings, and it's all, you know, everybody else is doing it, so that's the way I need to go. Well, Paul is saying we need to be careful how we live. That's your responsibility. Nobody else is going to come along and, 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 and tweak the way you're living, you need to be careful uh, how you live. Ravi Zacharias, I mentioned this last week, um, was talking about reaching this generation in America. He said, this generation listens with its eyes and thinks with its feelings. And how true that is. People thinking, not using their brain, but thinking with their feelings. Everything's about touch, my, you know, what I'm feeling inside. Can I tell you something? That's dangerous ground. It's it's very dangerous and that's why um, you know, if you watch somebody who's walking a tightrope, do they ever wonder where they have to walk? <laughs> yes or no? No. They The rope's right in front of them. They, they know they have to walk on the rope, right? But the challenge is how to do that, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, we know where to walk. We follow after Jesus, and then we need to live that out in a very practical way. Carl Walenda, um, part of the famous Walenda family, started uh, working with uh, uh, tightropes back when he was six years old. He he. Learn how to cycle across a tightrope. He was part of the seven-man pyramid on the tightrope, and it seemed for him, man, he had been—he started at such a young age, and there was nothing impossible with him. But then, on March 22nd, 1978, Carl fell off the rope. A man who had done it so many times was such a professional at at this art that he became too comfortable and he wasn't being careful and he fell off and it cost him his life. That's what Paul's talking about. We can become so accustomed on living our lives on a, you know, we just go through routines, you know, just going through routines. I've done this before and we stop thinking about where we're going and how we're living. Paul says, be careful. You know, it's kind of like shooting a flare into the air. Be careful on how you're living. Psalm 14.1 says, Only fools say in their hearts there is no God. That kind of echoes with what Paul says here, Don't live like fools. Well, fools say there's no God. Can I, can I slip in a little uh, additional line here? Is that, that we have Christian atheists. What's that mean? That means Christians who live their lives as if God doesn't exist. That's how they live. They never, they never look for God. They never seek God. They never want to get to know God on what God has for their lives, and it's as if God doesn't even exist. They call himself a Christian. They go to church, and they think they're cool. But the way they live through their actions, they're Christian atheists. And Paul is addressing that very thing. That's why, in Proverbs 3, 6, we're told, Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. So, there you have it. We need to seek his will. That's why Paul is saying, be careful, be careful um, how you live. Not living like fools. Fools means being careless. Fools means I could care less. <laughs> I could care less. I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. Or i just going to... Do what feels right well that's that's not that's not being wise, so I'm so glad that God gives us wisdom when we ask him. He never puts up a sign on his front door saying, I'm all out of wisdom for today you're going to have to wait till next week when I get a little more in you know james one five says if you need wisdom, ask your generous God and he will give it to you. You have a generous God. That's one of my most frequent prayers is, Lord, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom in this situation because I don't, I don't know what to do. Paul says we need to live wise. And um, there's a reason for it. In verse 16, number three, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. There's a lot of people that are wasting time the way they live. The message puts it: these are desperate times. These are desperate times. Um, on Wednesdays, we're we're going through uh, Daniel, the tail end of it. Uh, Pete Briscoe is is dealing with Daniel's visions and. Talking about Bible prophecy, and, and we just went through Daniel 11 uh, last Wednesday, where uh, everything that Daniel had prophesied or foretold has come to pass already. Which reinforces the fact that if what Daniel prophesied hundreds of years before it happened back in Daniel 11 and everything came to pass historically, We can rely on the rest of what Daniel prophesied. In fact, you can rely on the Bible, period. Because it's true. On the tail end of of Daniel 11, it talks about the the believers, the Jewish people, where they were persecuted. They went through tough times. And... um, June fourth this year was the thirtieth anniversary of the Tenement Square um, massacre, where the Chinese government came in and killed Chinese students because they were wanting freedom in their country. They they got were tired of communism um, controlling their lives. They they wanted freedom, and so they the, what what does the government do? They bring in tanks and start killing uh, their own citizens. So. Thirty years later, guess what's going on, friends, in China? Well, the government is, is systematically uh, taking uh, crosses off steeples of Christian churches, or they're actually demolishing churches um, in China. Um, the national government is sending trainers to all parts of China to instruct local police how to enforce religious regulations. Demanding churches and pastors serve the Communist Party above the call of Christ and the Scriptures. How how would you handle that in America? Hmm? they are closed the Christian schools. Um, they've offered cash rewards to those who report those involved in religious activities. Every person in China is being watched by security cameras attached to facial recognition software. The Chinese government's goal is reportedly to be able to identify and locate any person in China within three seconds. How many of you know that's pretty fast? So what happens if they see you going into a church? They can identify you. They can make it happen that you lose your job. Uh, your circle of friends around you, uh, Can the same thing can happen to you. So the pressure from the Chinese government against the church um, is at an all-time high. But guess what? The followers of Christ in China, what are they doing? Hmm? Well, they're continuing to serve Christ, continuing to cherish his word. They're reaching out with the gospel to coworkers, friends, and neighbors. They love their country. They pray for their leaders. But guess what? They love Jesus more. That's it. They love Jesus more. And that's where Paul is coming in. Don't waste your time. You need to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The Chinese are experiencing some pretty evil days, religiously speaking. But they're taking advantage of every opportunity to let the light of Christ shine through them. And so Paul kind of echoes what we just read and what he's writing to the church at Ephesus in Acts uh, chapter twenty verse twenty four it 's kind of his mission statement. Each one of us as a follower of Christ, should have a mission statement on how we live our lives because we see it 's so easy for you know people to have values and then somebody else comes along and talk them out of it mm, so so we need to have backbone spiritually. Paul says, "But my life is worth nothing to me." unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Man, I, 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 that resonates with me, too. My life is worth nothing unless I'm telling others, pointing people to Jesus and everything that I do about the wonderful grace of God. Why? Because I've experienced that grace of God. And I want others to experience it as well. And Paul is identifying the fact that we, we need to take this opportunity. Why? Because these are evil days. The message says, these are desperate times. And I think we would all agree, man, These are desperate times. Ah uh, things are changing so rapidly. Things that we always thought would be there are changing. And it kind of makes you feel a little unstable, you know, like keeping my feet on the ground. And I was the thought occurred to me a couple days ago, man, things are, you know, things are seemingly kind of tanking so fast. But I had to remind myself of what the Bible says in Psalm eleven. Three, it says, the foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? But the Lord, here it is, here it is, but the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. So here's the good news. Where we live, it may seem like law and order has collapsed. So what do you do? Close up shop? You call it today? Just say, you go move out somewhere in the desert and say, Jesus, come back? No, no. What can the righteous do? Here it is. We're reminded that the Lord is still in his temple in heaven. The Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. What does that tell you? That tells you that God is in control. He's not wiping the beads of sweat off his forehead. He's got his little rag wiping. Oh, man, I can't take this anymore. No, no, he's got it all under control. He's still ruling. One day there's coming a time of justice when justice will be paid. I'm looking forward to that day. But, friend, this is not my home. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is not your home. This is all temporary. So, Paul echoes what he says here um, about not wasting your time. First Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What's that mean? That means whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Right? Don't, don't pick and choose what you're going to do you know, for what you want. No, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's exciting. That is neat to see in our lives when everything we do, we point people to Christ. Or we do it to honor Him because of what He's done for us. So, are you making the most of those opportunities that God's given to you? How's that going? Are you living like the wise? Huh? Are you living wise? I um Many of you know I've said this. I I have a Bible reading plan. I've been on the same Bible reading plan for decades. I need that kind of structure in my life. And so yesterday, I was reading Proverbs 8. Why? Because yesterday was the 8th of June. So I'm either reading the psalm, you know, or a proverb, and there's other things in in there as well. So I'm reading Proverbs 8, and something jumped out at me. And that's the cool thing. You say, man, you've read that how many times before? Yeah, I know that. But yesterday... is not going to win the game from all the home runs I hit, hit on Wednesday. See, So the point is, what I read days ago is not going to carry me over to today. Today, right? So where I am today, I wasn't down there three days ago. I'm in a new place, different place, so to speak. And so it spoke to me this way. So Proverbs 8, 1 through 4, Listen as wisdom calls out. Isn't that cool? Wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. And it's calling out. Here as understanding raises her voice. Look at God loves you and he loves me so much. He's, he's allowing wisdom to raise her voice to get our attention. What's going on here? On the hilltop, along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. You know what jumped out at me? The crossroads. You and I are standing at the crossroads. We're either going to use wisdom to walk the path that God set before us, or we're going, to use, we're going to become foolish by choosing the path that we want to go on. Wisdom is at the crossroads trying to protect you from making the wrong decision. Aren't you glad for that? God could just say, go for it, man. You just make a mess of your life. No, no, no. He's yelling from the crossroads. And by the gates at the entrance to the town on the road leading in, she cries out, who's she? Wisdom. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. Man, I am so glad God is raising his voice in 2019. Because we need it. We need it. People are ignoring it. God gives you the freedom to ignore them. Or we could get those spiritual hearing aids where we can hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Yeah. So, whatever we do, let's not live like a fool. Let's live like the wise. Number four, choose to do what God wants. Choose to do what God wants. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. That kind of you know what's again Paul when when he writes he um, you'll find him say something and then a few verses later he'll kind of rephrase it but he's basically saying the same thing that's what's going on here in verse uh, 17 don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do you can go back to verse 10 which we hit last week carefully determine what pleases the Lord that's your responsibility and mine carefully determine what pleases the lord now he says don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the lord wants you to do we can we can live our lives thoughtlessly you know it's as if god is not present in our lives we're going to you know we're only interested in our decisions and what's worthy of our attention but that's not As a follower of Christ, we need to understand what the Lord wants each one of us to do. You have a choice and I have a choice in that matter. And um, so I have my oldest sister um, was 10 years older than I was and And uh, when she was in high school, she felt like God wanted her. This is kind of going with verse 17, doing what the Lord wants. She felt like God wanted her to go to Bible school. And my parents did not have the finances to help her. And so instead, she, along with one of her girlfriends, decided to move to Hawaii. Hawaii. And uh, she got a job there and lived for a year. And while she was there, there was an Air Force um, man who wanted to marry her. And she debated it and decided, no, no, this isn't right, you know. And she moved back home. When she moved back home, she started drifting spiritually, just just that call for Bible school and high school that thought became foreign to her, and she started living her life away from God, stopped going to church, and um, I remember there were times in her life where specific things happened, and i th- I think it was God trying to get her attention and i remember I remember one day talking to her, saying, Diane, you're running from God. You know God wants you in the ministry. You know that. So she just ignored it. But anyway, my mom got sick. And through that sickness, both my sisters ended up putting, renewing their faith in Christ. It got their attention. and um, And so Diane, you know, reconnected with the Lord, and, and she said, when, when, I, when I retire, because life has a way of speeding by, when I retire, um, I'm going to go on the mission field. Well, she passed away when she was 62, never made it to retirement, you see. now she meant well. And she wanted to do what God wanted, but not right now. See, I'm going to submit that to you and to me. When God makes something known to you, are you saying, wait, God? uh, When I get all my ducks lined up, can I tell you something? Your ducks are going to fly away. They will. They're going to fly away. There's never going to be that perfect opportunity. We're always waiting for the sweet by and by when everything is perfect, but that perfection is not going to happen on this planet. When God makes something known to you to do with your life, a choice, a decision, you need to act on it and not wait or make excuses why it can't happen right now. You need to obey the voice of God because God is speaking. And can I tell you that God speaks through His Word? Have I told you that? It's true. God does speak to us through His Word. That's the cool thing about it. Um, Our culture today really has no... Well, I'll, I'll take it to the next level. I would say... The Christian community in America does not have a biblical worldview. You want to know why? Look at this statistic right here. That 82% of American Christians only read their Bibles at church. Hmm? What does that tell you? That tells you at least 82% of Christians in America do not have a biblical worldview can I tell you, that is why the majority of Christians in America today don't even know what the Bible says or has to say about issues because they're not reading the Bible. They don't know the character of God because they're not reading the Bible. So, so our culture, Hollywood, um, media, That's the fuel that's dictating their worldview and how they perceive life and what's worthwhile investing in. Friends, I I just want to tell you, you need to read the Bible to find out what God wants to do in your life. There, there's too many people, you know, that, oh, I got five red lights in a row when I was going down Mineral Point Road. That must be God. Or you're in a parking lot and a, and a spot opens up closest to the store and you're thinking, man, that must be God. God must want me to go into this store. Can I tell you something? That's superstition. That's loopy. You need to read the Bible to get clarity on your life, to find purpose for your life. Matthew 7, 24 and 25, the message puts it this way. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. So don't just read the Bible. Listen, I, I've got to tell myself many times, you know, I try to put the Evelyn Wood speed reading ability into boom, because i got stuff going on. I have to tell them to slow down, man. I'm not just going to read the Bible. I need the Bible to read me. I need the Bible to speak to me. And it can't happen if you're not reading it or if you're taking time meditating on God's word. Um, Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to know why? There is no difference in lifestyles between the church and... And the non-believers, is because they're not reading the Bible. Everything's cool, man. But you're breaking the heart of God. You're grieving God's Spirit. Man, I, I want to live my life so that I don't do that because I know how much God loves me. And out of my love for Him, I want to live my life in such a way that it honors him and pleases him. And so you have to read the Bible to know what sin is and what it isn't. And um, making the Bible a foundation of your life really isn't that hard to do. You could pick up a Bible reading plan on the back foyer there, um, get into it. Because why? (laughs) These are evil days. These are desperate times. Um, I've been tracking this dude, Daniel Ritchie, uh, the last couple of years. I I, am, I really like what God has done in his life, and um, that's Daniel right there. He writes. These words were used against me. He said, weirdo, gross, freak. Those are the words that had been spoken to me over the past few years at restaurants. All of them directed at me, not because I was doing anything offensive. No, I was being shamed because I was eating. The issue is that I don't eat like everybody else. I eat with my feet. I also drive with my feet, and I brush my teeth with my feet. I do everything with my feet because I was born without arms. But that doesn't limit me. By God's grace, I have been able to live a full life and has included graduating college, marrying my best friend, having two children, serving in the ministry for over 10 years. The way I've lived my life isn't much different than anybody else. But I remember when I was seven years old, coming home from the grocery store with my mom in tears because someone had insulted me by the things that they had said. In fact, there was a time that I had to fend off a a rude kid at Disney World. You know, it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. And then there was a time my parents and I were asked to leave a restaurant because I was eating with my feet. I was no longer who people said I was. I was who God said I was. The stares, insults, and words of others began to trickle into my conscience, alter my self-worth, and erode any foundation of value that I had. I felt like the odd man out with nowhere to turn outside of close family and friends. I was beginning to succumb to the chorus of negativity. I was different, and apparently, that was a bad thing. The weight of being different became more than I could bear as I grew into my teenage years. The words of others began to warp my perception of the value of life. I felt like damaged goods, broken, unlovable. Isolation and darkness began, were beginning to sweep over me. I started to hate myself, and I started to hate other people. It was in this time of loneliness and negativity that I came across a psalm in the Bible that would change my perspective and my, would change my life. It was in Psalm 139 where King David praises God for forming him while he was still in his mother's womb. In four, verse 14, He says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. Man, I sat in my bedroom, and I let that verse wash over me. Wonderful are your works, God. You have taken your time to make me just like I am. I am not an accident. I am not an accident or a genetic mutation. I am, by all accounts, different by design and god didn't offer up a oops when he made me everything went according to plan and when he formed me he saw his work as wonderful it was in that moment i began to see it as wonderful as well my sense of self-worth value and identity began to shift i was no longer who people said i was i was who god said i was I am no less a man because of my two vacant sleeves. I am a perfect creation crafted by the hands of a careful creator. I am a man that God has made with talents, gifts, and abilities. And he concludes with, this is my calling in life. I am passionate about going into all the world with the gospel, glorifying God in everything I do to help make disciples and to encourage believers with God's story of grace in my life. Daniel Ritchie echoes what Paul just wrote about in Ephesians 5 that he recognizes, man, yeah, bad stuff is all around me. But whatever I do, I'm going to glorify God and I'm going to point people to Jesus Christ because my life has purpose. How did that happen? Daniel Ritchie was reading the Bible and God changed his life. We have to read God's word so that life change can happen in each one of us as well. Will you let that happen? Will you connect with God's word? Will you wake up spiritually? Will you watch your step Will you take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way? And finally, will you choose to do what God wants in your life? You have choices to make. I have choices to make. Lord, help us to do what you want. So, Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, each of us coming from different backgrounds, different set of circumstances, opportunities to say I'm a victim or make excuses why we can't allow you to work in our lives, but I pray today, Father, that your word will be the trigger that allows each one of us to say yes to you, to pursue you. Forgive us, Lord, if we've allowed slumber, sleep, spiritual sleep to prevent us in that intentional walk with you. Lord, wake us up today. Help us to press on with you, Lord. Help us to desire to honor you with the choices and decisions that we make on a daily basis. Help us, Lord, to discipline ourselves to read your word consistently. We saw it with Daniel Ritchie. Lord, help us to read your word. Help us to listen to your voice. Help us to obey you, Lord, in all that we do. Lord, I pray for every person in this room today. For the choices, decisions that are being made right now. That they would honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.